We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Time to play the game. It may be the nighttime, but the sports talk doesn't stop. Sports talk radio that's live, local, and not for the faint of heart. Oh, you didn't know? Sometimes angry. Loud noises! Telling it like it is. You insulted him a little bit. You got a little out of order yourself. And pretty much always right. Don't ever argue with the big dog. Big dog is always right. Text or call 404-741-0929 and be part of the show. Well, we're waiting. Live from the Kia Studios, it's time for the John Chuckery Show. Serving you up sports on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. And welcome into Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Yes, it is time for the John Chuckery Show. Hanging out with you in the Kia Studios on this, what, Wednesday evening? With you for the full four. We're asking you to download the Odyssey app. If you're not in the car as much, you want to listen in, put the Odyssey app on one of your devices today. Take your smartphone. You can use your Alexa speakers, your tablet, your 8-track player, your Victrola, your tape deck, whatever your device is, just download it on something to be able to catch us when you're on the go. Social media is at 929thegame on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And as always, best way to be a part of the show, follow us on our personal Twitter pages, at JMCH316. That is your water cooler talking points three to six months in advance of anybody else that is out there. Day Day's in the house producing the show on the other side of the glass, at DD Lewis for real. Well, uh, lots to get into with you here this evening as uh, let's start with the Braves. Wild one last night, 16-13, a football game broke out last night. Um, another not good start for Bryce Elder. And when I tell you that he's been awful his last two starts, and again, I know it's a small sample size, but really if you look, four of his last eight starts have been very uncompelling. And these last two starts, he's gotten beat up. Uh, Only six innings, 12 earned runs. Uh, That's not all dinks and dunks and bloops and bleeps and bleeders and worm burners and all kinds of, you know, other terminology in baseball. He's gotten hit pretty good. And it's a little bit concerning because, again, you're so thin on starting pitching right now. You know, again, we've talked about, you know, with only three starters 
in the regular rotation until we get somebody else up to speed, you know, it's a little bit iffy right now, right? I mean, it's a little bit, you know, kind of touch and go and all this stuff. So, again, you need Elder to be pretty consistent. I mean, again, he's going to have, a, a you know, a bit of a rough outing here or there, but you can't have two innings, you know, where he gives up seven runs and then just burns your bullpen out, right? And that's been his last two starts. He's only made he's only pitched six innings in two starts. Six in two starts. Can't have that. So they lose last night. Iglesias took the loss. He was not good uh coming in, um, really in a tie game. And then that just got away from him. So again, Braves look to get back uh, on track. We'll uh we'll talk some baseball with Bob Nightingale, our friend of the show. Um, we'll get his thoughts. Obviously, he's in Phoenix, uh, but uh, we'll we'll get his thoughts about you know where this is at. And um, look, um, now the Phillies are you know hot. They've closed it all the way down to nine and a half games. <sighs> anyway, uh, Marlins are ten and a half games back. The Mutts are seventeen and a half games back. So Marlins, you know, famous run that's over. Uh, Philadelphia, they're trying to make a run at the at least get into the playoffs, you know. But they still got work to do to even get in the playoffs right now because the Reds are fifty and forty six, the Giants are fifty four and forty one, the Diamondbacks are still fifty three and forty two, and the uh, Philadelphia Phillies are fifty two and forty two uh, themselves. So uh, again, they're trying to at least make some kind of run to the playoffs, and now they've they've finally gotten themselves into plus-run differential. So, again, the division is over. Uh, I mean, it, it's the, the, none of these teams are going to magically catch the Atlanta Braves. They're just not, you know. I, unless you tell me the Braves go on a, you know, 15-game losing streak or something like that, these teams are not going to catch Atlanta. Because Atlanta at some point, I mean, again, they've lost three in a row, okay. You know, again, they have had a bit of a hiccup, but – this this won't last. Their lineup is too good. Their team is too good. Their roster is too good. Won't be long here before, you know, there probably is going to be some additions to the roster as far as trade deadline and over this. So, again, um, I'm not really concerned. I mean, again, three-game. If we're getting concerned over a three-game losing streak for a team that has won two-thirds of their games, we've got first-world problems. First-world problems. So, Morton looks to even up the series. We're going to talk about Charlie Morton here um, in about uh, 15 minutes from right now because interesting numbers that Charlie Morton is putting up, but we'll get to that here in uh, in just a little bit. Uh, we'll also talk to our buddy Chris Goforth uh, coming up at 740. We'll get his thoughts about what's going on at SEC Media Days. Lord Saban was in the house in Holden Court, right? So when he speaks, what is it, E.F. Hutton? When he speaks, everybody listens, right? So he's again Kirby and and Lord Saban. Um, that's always the two people right now that everybody is gravitating to. And obviously, look back in the old days when Saban was, you know, in his first few years or first handful of years at Alabama, and they were rolling, you know, right along. You would go to those media days in Hoover, Alabama, and there would be just throng of people at the bottom of the escalator because, again, you know, it's. The where they had the SEC media days is attached to a, a shopping mall, and there's a hotel there and everything, and it's just kind of this one big complex, and people would wait around just to get a glimpse of Lord Saban, right? 
Um, so I don't know how that. I don't know what that crowd was like in Nashville. There was a there was still a, a big throng in Atlanta last year of Alabama fans. They, they obviously there's there's a good fan base here, and this is you know a fun city to to come over to. And um, you know for for the people in Alabama, um, they didn't know of indoor plumbing. You know, so that was kind of a a new discovery day day. So. Um, for a lot of people in Alabama, um, going to the bathroom at night involves boots and a flashlight, but that's another story for another day. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, a couple other things with the uh, Atlanta Braves. Um, Eddie Rosario, oh, sorry, uh, let, let's first start with Sam Hilliard. He went to the 10-day IL with a bruised right heel, and then um, left fielder Eddie Rosario is uh, returning to the uh, starting lineup. So that's good news. I mean, there was questions about whether or not Rosario would have to go on the IL, but it looks like nothing is uh, nothing is happening there. So that's uh, that's all good news. Um, your lineup uh, for tonight, by the way, too. Ronnie, Ozzie, Riley, Olsen, Murphy, Ozuna, Rosario back in left field, Arcia, Michael Harris, and, of course, Charlie Morton, on the mound. This was a team that put up 13 runs last night. Did you see where this was like the like this was the most teams since 1894 that had scored 10 runs in a game, right? I mean, it was just it was yeah. just crazy. So Cuz what was it? It was like a total of what how many teams was it? I Wasn't think it was like 10 or 12. 12 or I was about to like say that. it was double digit mm-hmm. teams that did double digit, yeah. Yeah, so um crazy. And again, 29 runs in a baseball game. Um, you don't really see that uh, that too often. I mean, there's there's NFL games that don't have that kind of over-under uh, to them. But Sam Hilliard going to the IL. Eddie Rosario back uh, in left. Um, he had had a, a tightness in his uh, right hamstring, but uh, he is officially back tonight, and that's uh, that's good news. I mean, Rosario's had a good year. I mean, say what you will. I mean, again, he's not the MVP of the league or anything, but he's had a pretty good year, pretty nice bounce-back year for uh, for him. So Braves look to try to get themselves – back on track and, you know, need a win. I mean, just to kind of, you know, just kind of feel good and just get yourself back in the win column. Uh, you're at home, you know, obviously. I mean, and then, you know, they start, a, they start a a couple of series against the Milwaukee Brewers, who are in first place in their division um, right now. So um, they, will, they will take on the Brewers in Milwaukee coming up on Friday, and then they've got that, uh, two games set with Boston up at uh, Fenway Park. F- excuse, excuse me, I gotta say it right. Up at Fenway Park. Jeez, give me a give me a Jameson. Um, so the uh, Red Sucks. Can we call them the Red Sucks? Because they suck. They. Uh, I Red- actually have a. Oh, you know what? I may have gotten rid of it. I actually had a shirt. No, I bought it. I bought it in New York. I went to a Yankees game. Uh huh. And they had a store right by the stadium. This was like the year after they opened the new stadium. Mm-hmm. And they actually had Red Sucks t-shirts. And yeah. I bought one. I think I may have gotten rid of it. Yeah. Again, the mutts, the Red Sox. <laughs> I mean, so. I met uh, some Mets fans today. I, I was thinking about you. It's a baseball team in town. Um, did you kick them? No. <laughs> but, uh, did you spit on them? No, but I, I told them all about you and, you know, how you were this um, – this did you, fame. Did you, did you let up? Did you let them know that I hate? I I, I hate you the know mutts? what I I let them know, and then I even I even hit them. Yeah. F the Mets. F the Mets. 
Step right up and F the Mets. <laughs> no, but no, all jokes aside, they were in town because their kids were playing in that fit game, uh-huh. baseball tournament. Big old boys, too, like 17-year-old. But, um, yeah, I told them all about you. I was like, yeah, you guys should uh, you should tune in. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and, and just to be clear, it's not a gimmick. I mean, I don't gimmick. No, I know. I mean, now, sometimes I do. I go doink the clown, you know, for, for certain things, but... No, this is not a gimmick. I hate the mutts. I mean, I I, I hate the mutts. I, I do hate the Red Sox more. There's a lot of reasons why I hate the Red Sox even more. But I hate the mutts. I hate the Red Sox. So, um, but interesting series because again, Milwaukee's been a pretty good team this year, and they're obviously leading their division right now. Um, they stand uh, at 52 and 43. So, um, certainly not what the the 61 win Braves are right now but you know again it's good enough to to lead their division and um you know Craig Council's done a nice job um with this club and you know frankly they have some of the years that they would have been hoping for right I mean I I, I don't know well obviously injuries have been a big part but you know we talked about um uh Cody Bellinger you know a couple uh, a while back how about Christian Yelich Think about where Christian Yelich was, and and this is only 2018. So five years ago, he was the MVP of the league. Listen to these numbers for Yelich. In his MVP year, 34 doubles, 36 homers, 118 runs scored, 110 RBI, 22 steals, 326, which led the league in hitting, 402, 598 slugging, 1,000 OPS, that both slugging and OPS led the league. He was the MVP of the league. He followed that up with an, a second-place MVP where he won another batting title, batting 329. He led the league in, bat, in a batting average, on-base, slugging, OPS, and he had 44 homers and 97 RBIs. 44 homers and 97 RBI. Since then, with all of the injuries, do you know in the last four years? How about this, Day Day? How about in the last four years for Christian Yelich? He had 44 homers in 2019. Okay, ready? Since 2020, he's hit 48 homers total. Mm. 48 in four years. So they're doing it with some unconventional play. But um, first, we got to get through the. Uh, First, we've got to get through the uh, the, the D-bags or whatever they are. Um, uh, so, and again, uh, tomorrow will be a uh, – tomorrow the businessman special will be a, a really good pitching matchup. Zach Gallen, the uh, starter for the National League in the All-Star game, and obviously Spencer Strider, uh, our All-Star, one of our All-Star uh, pitchers. But uh, certainly got to get um, – certainly got to get Bryce Elder back uh, on track. And by the way, real quick note, uh, Travis Darno. Signed a one-year, eight million dollar deal, and I like the idea of Travis Darno being. On, in, in fact, you know what? I say give Darno a one-year contract until he decides to retire. I would, I would gladly keep Travis Darno as our backup catcher. And I thought this even when they had Contreras, that I would keep Darno as our backup catcher on a one-year deal for however long he wants to play. Want to play to your forty? Fine. Darno's a professional man. He's. He's a professional through and through, and I love having Travis Darno um, on this team. All right, when we come back, what if I told you that Charlie Morton was on track for a personal best? 
I'll explain that next. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, back at a Chuckery show, hanging out in the Key Studios Wednesday night with you. 404-726-0929, that is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. We'll, uh, we'll talk to my friend Chris Goforth coming up here in about uh, 20 minutes from right now as we uh, check in with him at SEC Media Days as Lord Saban was uh, in the house. Day-Day. Mm-hmm. What if I told you that in his 16th year in the big leagues, Charlie Morton was on pace to do a personal best? Now, you might think at 39 years old, as he approaches 40 years old, that, you know, again, it would probably be maybe some kind of negative milestone. But Charlie Morton is very much on pace to set a career high in wins this season. So his career high was in 2019 when he was an all-star with the Tampa Bay Rays. He was 16-6 and with a 3.05 ERA, had 194 and two-thirds innings pitched, and he had 240 strikeouts. That's the year he finished third in the Cy Young voting. That's his only time that he was fin- he's finished in the top 10 in Cy Young voting and was 21st in MVP voting. But if you look right now, Charlie Morton is 10-6, and six, so that's 16 decisions that he's picked up, and he's only made 18 starts. To put it in perspective, he made 31 starts last year and only had 15 decisions. He's got one more decision Right now, win or loss, right? That's a decision, win or loss. He's got one more decision now and a little bit more than half the starts that he had last year. 
And as we're about 70 games, I think it's what, 69 games that's left, 69, right? Uh, anyway, so, um, but if you figure 70 games at five guys per start, you figure he's probably got 13 to 14 starts left in him, right? Now, last year he made 31 starts, even in a year where he did not pitch well. 4.34 ERA, 172 innings. That was his lowest innings total since 2018 when he was 15-3 and with the Astros in that final year, led the league in winning percentage, but only pitched 167 innings that year. So that was his lowest total in four years as far as innings pitch. I'm not counting the pandemic year. Um, I mean, if we we don't count the, the pandemic year because, again, that they only played 60 games. Kind of hard to count all of that. But but only 172 innings last year. But only nine and six on the season. 4.34 ERA. He did have the 205 strikeouts in 172 innings pitch. So he stayed consistent at 10.7 strikeouts per nine. And Again, other than 2020, where he was 9.9 strikeouts per nine innings, he's had pretty much six consecutive full seasons of 10 strikeouts per nine innings. So he has been a really good strikeout pitcher. But it is interesting that here we're looking at almost 40 years old for Charlie Morton, and he's on track to have his best win total in his career. And he was really good for a while there. I mean, again... You know, when he was with Houston and Tampa, he was a money pitcher. You know, again, he started off with Atlanta, was 4-8, and eight, went to Pittsburgh, right? And, and was he part of that um, – was he part of the Nate McLeod trade? Let me – let me, uh, I need to think about that for just a second or, or look that up real quick. I thought he was part of the Nate, Nate McLeod uh, trade. Um, yeah, yeah, the Atlanta Braves – uh, traded traded by the Atlanta Braves with Gorky's Hernandez and Jeff Locke to the Pittsburgh Pirates for Nate McLeod. And Jeff Locke would be an all-star closer for the uh, for the Atlanta Braves. So, see, Day-Day, every once in a while, my brain does. It kicks in. Yeah, all of a sudden, it just, it, again, the most random thing on earth where I'm remembering the Braves trading for Nate McLeod, who was an all-star center fielder, right? He made the all-star game one year. And, uh, and Jeff Locke, by the way, is a pretty good reliever for a few years there. I think he did make an all-star game as well. But that's neither here nor there. But, I mean, Morton obviously made his bones with the Astros, with Tampa Bay, you know, then now here in Atlanta. But 16 wins is his uh, a career high. You realize that he, Day-Day, right now is on pace for more than 20 wins? If this plays out over, let's say, 31, 32, 33 starts, whatever whatever it ends up being, again, we're looking at probably 14 starts because 70 games divided by divided by five is 14, right? And barring a, a, a tragic injury for Morton and barring that they are so far out in front that they decide to sit him, but again, you can only sit starting pitching for so long. He's got probably about 13 or 14 starts that are left for him. And if he gets to 31, 32, 33 starts, he's on pace right now to win 20 games. And it's crazy to think that, you know, again, with that that kind of win percentage, 625 win percentage, and he's always been a pitcher that has been pretty good from a win percentage standpoint. 
15 and 3, 16 and 6, 14 and 6. You know, he's always had some good numbers, but he's having a really good season for the Braves. And he's got 104 innings pitched with 115 strikeouts. So that's still keeping that 10 strikeouts per nine inning pace. Um, he's uh, um, giving up a, a good bit fewer home runs, like his home run pace. So he's giving up .9 homers per nine innings. Um, that's more in line with where he's been the past three years other than last year, right? Last year jumped up to the 1.5 home runs per nine innings where he gave up the most home runs in his career with the 28. So 2021, 0.8, 2020.9, 2018.7 in that monster year that he had. So it, it, that number has been consistent like it has been over the last four years other than last year where he gave up all the home runs. So I don't know if this is going to be Morton's last year. I don't know if he's going to retire at the end of the year. I don't know if he's going to, you know, gut it out for for the one more season, right? I mean, I think does he uh I'm trying to remember if he has if he has that second year of a uh, of a contract. Um I'm trying to remember I'm trying to remember if he um uh yeah, okay. So he's got a so he's got he's under contract for next year for the 20 million dollars. Then at 2024, he's got a team uh, option that's available. So um, I'm not going to guess that they pick up that team option. So he's got one more year under contract. So, again, it's been a really nice bounce-back year for Morton. You know, he's not giving up the home runs. Um, he's winning ball games. And, and here's the thing. If you've got 16 decisions in 18 games – that means you're pitching long enough to influence the game one way or the other. Now, obviously, 10 and 6, he's influencing the game in a much better, you know, much better fashion and only a 3.2 ERA. So, again, he's able to log the innings and not get himself into too much trouble because he can strike guys out and he keeps guys off base. You know, his, uh, his walks are a little bit up this year, but, again, with the home runs down and everything – doing what he needs to do and he's factoring into this that's a that's a lot of decisions in that I mean if you think 16 out of 18 starts he's had he's factored in decision you know a lot of times when you only go like five innings you know yes you qualify for a win or a loss but you got a bunch of innings that are still left to be played that they can in, they can completely influence a game that mean what his runs uh per start is as far as how many runs the Braves offense is scoring for him. Because again, you would have to figure it's probably pretty good. I mean, it's good for everybody, but probably when you have 16, 16 uh, decisions and 18 starts, there's probably a lot of leads that the Braves have uh, in this whole thing. So again, he's having a really nice year and, and it's crazy that, you know, at age 39, he may set his career high in win. He may be a 20-game winner for the first time. Crazy to think about after last year that how many people were, you know, kind of off the Charlie Morton bandwagon, right? Like people were kind of like, okay, he didn't pitch well last year. Age is catching up to him. 
too many homers, and now here he is potentially setting his career in wins. And and you can say what you want, wins still matter. If I if I have a if I have a starting pitching if I have a starting pitcher who can influence a game to get me decisions, that's a good thing. Especially if they have a 625 win percentage, right? They win 62.5% of their of their decisions, you know, over, you know, again, 10 and 6. You know, that's a really good number for for this time of the year. So hats off Charlie Morton. I don't know if it's going to be, you know, again, he may retire. He may come back for one more year. This may, this may motivate him. You know, again, if he had pitched bad, maybe he retires at the end of the year. But with him pitching the way that he's pitching, I would plan on him, you know, being back with this club. I'm planning on him being, you know, a regular starter. And again, Morton, Freed, Strider, Elder, you know, this team is this team is pretty well loaded with with starting pitching. They get everybody healthy, Kyle Wright. You know, they get everybody healthy. They've got plenty of arms uh, down there. But good for Morton. I mean, he's having he's having a really nice bounce back year after the rough rough times that he had uh, last year. But um, he's certainly certainly doing some good things, and looks like he may be on his way to setting a career best in in wins uh, for him. So 16 wins. Just to kind of somewhat give you an idea of how things are going, it looks like the six losses of his 16 uh, starts mm-hmm. there, um, those are the only – those losses, the Braves scored three or less points, it looks like. But yeah. other than that, they were like eight runs, ten runs. <laughs> I'm, I'm not surprised. I mean, again, if you if you have 16 decisions and 18 starts – you're you're influencing the game, and your team behind you is is helping to influence the game. So that's a lot of decisions in in a short amount of starts to have. So again, that that's one that's one more decision that he had in 31 starts last year. So crazy to think. All right, when we come back, we'll uh, talk some uh, SEC. Lord Saban was in the house today. We'll talk to our buddy Chris Goforth and uh, get his thoughts as he is live in Nashville at SEC Media Days. Chuck, we're hanging out in the Kia Studios. Sports Radio 929 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio 92.9, The Game, back at a Chuckery show, hanging out in the Kia Studios. 404-726-0929, that is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey apps, how you catch us on the go, social media at 929, The Game, at JMCH316, at DD Lewis for real. Let's uh, head out to the WadeFord.com hotline. Let's talk to my friend Chris Goforth as he is live in Nashville SEC Media Days. And, um, of course, Chris, Lord Saban was uh, front and center today. How was, the, uh, how was the crowd, the throng of people? I mean, obviously, you know, it's a whole different atmosphere in Hoover when Saban shows up and, you know, there's deities and, you know, the, the Pope is there and, 
you know, everything else. But what was the crowd like with uh, Saban today? Uh, John, I will say this. Now, today was the first day that I have actually seen fans in the lobby of the hotel. Um, and I haven't seen that for the last year. You know, I thought there might be a couple of people here with it being in, in Nashville. I thought maybe there would be a couple of people here for Clark Lee and Vanderbilt the other day. But, you know, I didn't, I didn't see anybody. But there were a couple of people. There were a handful of folks uh, when I got in this morning um, around, I guess, 8 o'clock Central Time. There were, you know, uh, maybe a dozen or so that had gathered. But that's been the first um, – um, that's been the first time I've seen fans, which, and you're right, it's much different than Hoover where, you know, they would hold, um, you know, there there would be a uh, a large group of people that would chant Roll Tide and whoop and holler uh, anytime a- Alabama was, you know, an Alabama player or, or Saban was seen. Well, maybe it's because Harvey Updike is no longer with us, um, so we don't Could be. see all that, so... Chris Goforth is on Twitter, by the way, at Chris Goforth one as he joins us here from uh, Nashville at SEC Media Days. Um, you know, it, it's going to be interesting, Chris, because, you know, next year, obviously, the SEC, like a lot of these conferences, is going divisionless, you know. And, uh, you know, again, the, the old saying is you don't have to be one, just be number two, right? I mean, and, you, you know, I wonder – you know, I, look, there's no doubt that Georgia is the top dog in the conference, and I don't think they're stepping off that pedestal anytime soon. I don't care what everybody else does around. They're the big dog right now. But, you know, at, at times there, has, there have been years where Alabama's just completely kicked the crap out of everybody, but there have also been times where Alabama has gotten into the SEC title game because, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but they beat the right teams. Right. I mean, they 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 found ways to win the right games on their schedule. And, you know, I I wonder going divisionless, you know, if if teams start to feel like that, maybe there's an opening to, to, you know, get, you know, break into that top two with Georgia and Alabama. I wonder if, if that's kind of the mindset that, you know, again, not this year, but certainly going into next year, if teams maybe feel like, mm, okay, maybe there's going to be an opening here coming up in the SEC. Yeah, I think a lot of that's going to be determined on how the schedules fall. You know, A, do we stay with an eight-game conference schedule? Does it go to nine? Who are your permanent opponents going to be? And what does that rotation look like? So that, you know, if you're, um, you know, let's say a Missouri, who does your who are your permanent opponents going to be and how many years can you get away without having to face a an LSU or an Alabama or a Georgia over the next, you know, four years or, or whatever. So I think that's going to have something to, to do with it too. And I still don't know that they, they really know what this thing's going to look like going forward. That eight-game schedule of conference play, that's just in effect for next year. Uh, they'll have to set this up again come 2025. And it's, you know, a lot of people think that when we, by the time we get to 2025, we'll end up being at nine SEC conference games. But you're right. It's going to be a race to get up there to be number one or, or number two in the conference. I think it's going to be strange. I, I like the divisions. Um, I think it's going to be strange when it goes away. And there's a, you know, this is, I mean, gosh, between the transfer portal, um, 
and the you know name, image, and likeness, and the changes that are happening there. The SEC doing away with division, the SEC moving away from CBS after this year, Texas and Oklahoma coming into the conference. There's just so much change right now in college football that's either happening or is going to happen in the next you know 12 to 18 months. Yeah, I mean, I I I think it's obviously the biggest change in my lifetime. I think the I think the only other time was you know, in that era where the NCAA got defeated in the Supreme Court for opening up TV contracts, and then right. they started, then they then they went to um, what was it? A uh, th- then when they went to the scholarship reductions, when they actually put what was it? Right. Eighty three scholarships in place, right? I mean, where where, right. Al- where Alabama couldn't just load up a hundred and forty kids, you know, on their oh, roster yeah. just to keep kids away from everybody. You know, I think those were the two big sea changes in my lifetime. Until now, I mean, you know, now right. it's like, now it's like, you know, again, it's, I don't want to say it's, it's becoming professional, but, you know, again, they're, they're being treated more like adults than at any other time in the history of college football. Well, and to that point, John, Nick Saban said it today when he was asked about the transfer portal, he said, I use the transfer portal the same way the NFL uses free agency. He mm-hmm. said, we're going out and pl- using it to go out and plug holes. I, I talked with Bill Hancock, the executive director of the college football playoff, and, and he kind of drew parallels between college football and the NFL in terms of the playoff system and, and the changes that are coming that way. So I think you're right. I, I think the, the comparison there <clears throat> to some sort of professional model, whether it's the NFL or whoever, probably pretty accurate yeah and you know you know Chris we've we've talked for years on the college football show you know I'm I'm I've always been a fan of free agency I've always been a fan of you know for lack of a better term free agency in the world of college football because again if coaches can do their thing why can't players have some of the same freedoms and stuff like that so I I I love that part of it um Sam Pittman uh another guy that we love um you know got uh, got a chance to speak uh you know today so you know, they're going to be an interesting team because, you know, obviously they, for the last two years, they've really gotten off to good starts, you know, both in their uh, non-conference schedule and, you know, starting in their conference schedule. But, you know, it's been two years where they fade down the stretch. And, you know, a couple of years ago they got to number 10, I think, and then Georgia drubbed them. And, you know, again, they've been there kind of on the cusp, but, it definitely feels like that they have to, at some point, kind of finish the same way that they start. Yeah, I think that's been the, I think that's been the the, the issue for them. I think part of uh, the problem for uh, Arkansas too is going to to be able to stay healthy. I think what kind of maybe separates them from some of the better teams in the conference. I think one through eleven, Arkansas is pretty good. Um, and I think, you know, Sam Pittman does a, a good job. They have an identity. You know who Arkansas is. The problem is when you have to go 12 through 20 or 12 through 22 on that depth chart, I think that's where Arkansas finds themselves running into some problems. Yeah, and, you know, look, um, they've got their quarterback back this year with K.J. Jefferson. You know, arguably he's one of the probably, I don't know, Maybe next to Jaden Daniels, he might be the best returning starting quarterback, you know, in the conference. I mean, 
you know, again, those are those are big things for for Arkansas. I mean, it may not be the same, you know, when when you talk about a returning, you know, quarterback. I mean, that's always big when when you can start, you know, at that position. But for certainly a program like Arkansas, when you've got a guy that's got that kind of skill set and experience, like those are big deals for for programs like Arkansas to be able to return a guy at that kind of level. There's only five uh, teams in the conference this year that are bringing quarterbacks back. You you mentioned two. Um, you know, of course, you you referenced Nick Saban being here today. That was one of the things that Saban said. He said we are we you know there has not been any separation between these three quarterbacks and feel the pressure uh, right now to be able to name anybody the starter. So that battle is going to uh, going to go on. I think interesting things to watch today, or at least in the conference this year, will be Devin Leary coming over from NC State and the impact, and then Graham Mertz coming from Wisconsin impact that he can play. Those are two guys. Leary was hurt part of last year, but two years ago, he's played a lot during his time at NC State, and Mertz has played like 2,000 snaps at Wisconsin. So, the impact those guys can have coming in at Florida and Kentucky, um, I, you know, I, I think that's going to be one of the bigger storylines to watch, especially as we try to figure out what this conference is once you get away from, you know, Jaden Daniels and, and K.J. Jefferson at quarterback. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny, Chris, because we were here at, uh, at SEC Media Days last year. You know, you and I kind of just talked, you know, to, to one another you know, some of these coaches that are in the conference. I mean, whether it's Shane Beamer, who's going to speak uh, tomorrow, I guess, um, whether it was Mark Stoops. I mean, you know, I, I know it's got Saban and, you know, Kirby. Boy, when you look at just even sort of the mid-programs, the Sam Pittmans, the, uh, you know, um, uh, the guy from Tennessee, um guy in my brain. Just, Josh Heupel. Yeah, Josh Heupel. I mean, there are – and Mark Stoops. I mean – there are some really good coaches at some of these, you know, mid-level types of programs. And again, I, I know that's kind of probably sounds like it's a shot, but you know, again, let's face it. I mean, nobody's Alabama and Georgia right now. But right, you well, know, look at look look at LSU with Brian Kelly. Right, right. I mean, just there there are so many so many good coaches through that middle layer of the SEC. And you know, I got joked about it last year, just. You know, gosh, I mean, you want to run through a wall for Shane Beamer or a Mark like that. I mean, they, these guys, these guys are really good coaches, and it will be interesting to see because I love De- Devin Leary. I mean, I, I again I was on the NC State bandwagon, you know, last year. Oh, I know. I, I thought yeah. that, I thought that they could really be some until you know Leary goes down, and by the end of the year, they'd played six quarterbacks. I mean, so again, right. you're, you're not going to win at college football playing six <laughs> quarterbacks, but but uh, you know, again, it, it is going to be fascinating and. Obviously, Will Levis was a high draft pick, so Leary's looking at a situation like that. But there's a lot of good coaches that players want to come play for through those mid-teams. Yeah, and I think the, the, the thing is, is, you know, how do you rank these coaches now? You know, obviously, Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, put them are going to be at the top of that list. I think Brian, uh, Brian Kelly at LSU is going to be up towards the top. And, and then you get down to those guys that, that you've referenced in in the Josh Heupels and the Mark Stoops and the uh, and the Sam Pittman, the two guys this year. When we talk about you know the possibility of the hot seat at the end of the year, um, 
Eli Drinkwitz at Missouri. And the other guy for me that and, – and he talked a little bit about this indirectly today, but it's Billy Napier at Florida. Yeah. And one of the things that Napier talked about and there, if you want to play it tonight – but he talks about the difference in being a group of five head coach and being a power five head coach and how the recruiting cycle is escalated when you're at the power five. You've got to be able to evaluate and determine whether or not you want to offer a kid so much quicker at the power five level. And he said that's one of the things they've had to adapt to, which I think really has to make you a little bit concerned going forward with Florida and Billy Napier, who's a Georgia kid. I hope he, you know, I'd love to see him do well there, but I think there's some real red flags around that, uh, around that Florida program. Well, and you know, again, I know he was an analyst uh, at, at Alabama. And I I think what he coached, um, I think he coached their wide receivers for, for a few years, but you know, he's not, he's not necessarily, an SEC guy, and, and and we talk about this all the time that you know the SEC really loves to hire their own guys. I mean that they they you know it's almost incestuous. I mean they once you get in the SEC coaching circles, you know you really find a job for life. I don't care if you're Will Muschamp or anybody like that. I mean you you always land on your feet, Mike Bobo. You know I mean again guys right. guys always yeah. land on their feet in the best conference in America. You know, Napier is a little bit of an outsider. I know he did, you know, coach, you know, again, he wasn't an assistant or a coordinator, you know, at Alabama. But, you know, he does come from kind of more, you know, his his main coaching positions are at, at smaller schools or, you know, again, like at uh, Arizona State, right? I think he was the OC for Arizona State uh, for a year or two. So, again, it, he, he's kind of almost like an oddball from, you know, that standpoint that, He's not a lifer as an SEC guy. Yeah, I think the two, uh, you know, the two hires that come to mind immediately where you go outside of the region and you bring in guys and it has worked exceptionally well, both times has been at LSU. Uh, they went and got Nick Saban, who really, he didn't have ties to the Southeast. No. Nick Saban was, a, was, was a, a Midwest guy. Yeah. And they bring him in. And we know the success there. Same thing goes with LSU again. After going with kind of the homegrown guy and, and Ed Orgeron, now they go get another guy that I don't think really has ties to the Southeast or the SEC in Brian Kelly. And I think so far, so good uh, with Brian Kelly. We'll see what this year holds. But, you know, it seems like there's certainly a program that's trending in the right direction. But you're 100% right. I mean, um, you know, they, they definitely uh, – it, it's very incestuous, you know. Oh, yeah. They, look at Kevin Steele, uh, Alabama's defensive coordinator. Yep. What is this, two, three times? He's been – he's a Tennessee guy, graduated from Tennessee, has coached at Tennessee, was there with Fulmer. He's on his second stop now with, uh, with Saban. And he's been – heck, I think he was at, uh, he was at Auburn. Uh, recently, so he's another guy that's you know knows knows his knows all the barbecue joints in the southeast from all the stops that he's had. You can hear Chris Goforth as part of our pre-post and halftime show on Atlanta Falcons Radio Network. You can follow him on his personal Twitter page at Chris Goforth One, and he is in Nashville covering SEC Media Days for ninety two nine The Game. And join me here on the waitfor.com hotline. Chris, my friend, appreciate a few minutes of tonight. Uh, we'll try to talk again tomorrow. And, uh, 
you know, see what uh, what else goes on as uh, things start to wrap up in the SEC. Sounds good, man. Look forward to it. Thanks, John. You got it. Uh, as always, Chris, appreciate uh, the time. And uh, when we get back from the top of the hour, it will be time for the Falcons flyover, all your daily news and notes about the Dirty Birds. Chuck Reed and Nikia Studios, Sports Radio 929 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.